Hello, this is Paul Baines Fair, and this is the IPA podcast. This week we held our commercial conference on the 6th of July. Um, and we talked a lot about how agencies could price their work properly and stop giving away stuff to their clients. Um, a topic that's always interesting. And we had some great speakers, including Tim Williams, the founder of the Ignition Consulting Group, uh, who come over from the States. Um, I grabbed him after the conference uh, and we had a chat together and this is what he had to say. One of the questions I did want to ask you was whether we need a new type of person, a new type of talent in our agencies to cope with um, pricing in a, in a different way. Do you, do you think we do, or can we train the people that are already there? I'm of the opinion we can't train the people we've got. I mean, I think we've got the essence of what we need. We just have never been trained. We've got a lot of smart people who have been trained very well in costing. I think we can take many of those same people and, and train them in the art of pricing. It's, uh, it's One is a science and maybe a little bit more easily learned. Uh, it's got more, more rules and, and is a little more precise and predictable, whereas pricing is more of an art, and, and as an art form, needs a little more cultivation, and, and, and you have to have, to some extent, people with the right personality who who are good ideators, and, uh, and you know what that feels like when you invite a group of people in for a session and you're looking for good ideas. There are some people who have uh, what, what is called the giver personality, which they, 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 they have good ideas and they're, they're willing to express them. And they have a bit of an entrepreneurial streak to them. Um, those are the kinds of people that we want to select for our t- pricing training program, the ones that also have personality traits that would, would, would lend themselves well to it. But I think that the art of pricing certainly can be trained, and it's, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, the people that I've ever recruited into that uh, kind of thing with pricing councils are quite fascinated by it. Uh, they, they, they take to it, uh, once they understand what, what we're trying to do with it, uh, they, they take to it and show a lot of interest in it. And your, your idea of a pricing council, this is a group of people who meet in the agency uh, but don't necessarily meet the client to discuss the pricing. They just come up with the ideas and the, the ways in which we should negotiate. Is that right? They could meet the client, uh, in, it, not probably as a council, but individuals in the council could be selected to go help present pricing proposals because arguably they, they would be the people that we would want to, to be on the front lines of pricing um, pres- presentations and pricing discussions because they would be the, mo- the most highly trained in the agency. Just as we would take a CFO to answer complex questions from a client CFO, we would want to take our version of a chief pricing officer to, to go have discussions with their chief procurement officer um, because we'd be matching um, their, their talent with, with our talent. Now, when one's involved in a pitch uh, and um, the rules are kind of set by the client, uh, that also extends often to a requirement for your costs and how they're going to how they're going to evaluate your your pricing. So you sort of end up being in a in a straitjacket almost, where to compete you kind of have given up your right to do some of the things that you're you're recommending, which mm. is to price differently, price mm. for value and so on. Mm. How, do you have any any thoughts on how to get around that problem? Yeah. Well, I would say first off, that's a procurement tactic. 
to say this is the way it's going to be and you have to answer these questions and we require these specific costs or you can't participate. And in some cases that might be true that you would get pushed out of the review, but I've had plenty of procurement professionals tell me over the years that, that, that if their client who is marketing wants you in the review, you will be in the review no matter how you answer those questions. Uh, I also have heard many interesting stories from, from CMOs of large organizations who, who've told me about agencies who have challenged, um, and, and politely and respectfully, but challenged, why, why do you need this information, and, and is this really going to help you? Well, let us give you information that we think is going to be even more relevant and more valuable to help you make this decision. Um, we don't actually disclose our costs, we don't disclose our overhead, and we don't disclose salaries and things like that, but here's how we would propose to work with you, or are you interested? And many smart clients uh, take that as a positive and say, yeah, actually we'd be interested. What, what is this other way? It piques their interest. It's, well, what, what do you mean? There's a, how would we ever pay you any other way? And it, it just starts a, a conversation that sometimes can actually win the business. One of the other um sort of pressures on, on running an agency is often from your own company because you know many of the many of the internationally owned companies uh, be it WPP or Omnicom or whoever uh, Interpublic and so on uh, they have to meet targets they have to meet um, expectations in terms of pitches competed for and all this kind of thing um, what, what advice would you have for um, anybody finding themselves in that in that sort of position where they're feeling under the cosh, as it were, uh, and you know you're recommending a lot of very enticing and mm. and, um, and and imaginative solutions to pricing. Uh, how how would you recommend they deal with it internally? Well, that's a good question, and I, I actually our firm works with many of these multinational organizations. We the the the, the ultimate metric I think that that an agency uh, individual agency office or network is held to is 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 the profitability of, of the organization and the it's really hard to argue with this idea that that margins can be improved through a diverse a diversified what we call a pricing portfolio so um, if you want to make your numbers if you want to exceed your numbers if you want to beat the targets of your holding company then then uh, it would that would be impossible to do with a steady diet of what we call low cost uh, low risk low reward compensation agreements that are all based on cost or cost plus where your profit is in effect dictated like a regulated utility <clears throat> we advocate the idea of uh, assembling a crafting many different pricing approaches and having a mix of risk and reward in your portfolio so that you're going to have some that that return a way above average margin some a, a moderate margin some maybe a little bit below average but on on the whole you will turn in just as you do in your personal financial uh, savings program for your for uh, for your retirement you'll turn in an overall better return with a diversified portfolio. So the, the concept is it's not controversial. It's how we invest our money. It's how Wall Street works. It's how High Street works. It, 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 it is just a proven concept. So uh, I think even the, more, even the most hard-nosed financial manager at a holding company would have to acknowledge that a diversified portfolio is, is a healthier, uh, more profitable approach. So I think the offices uh, should, should uh, be given the latitude to, to try it. I mean, I, just on that point, I think having worked in these organisations, uh, 
no one, no one questions you if you're successful. Uh, it's, when you, it's when you're trying to come out of a, a period, say, where you've not enjoyed so much yeah. success, that they're, they're, you're surrounded by people who are telling you how to do things. Yeah. And perhaps that's the time when you should be applying some of these thoughts. Yeah. And it makes it more difficult. But, you know, yeah, I, no, I true understand enough. your yeah. answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, we also heard um, from uh, Blair Enns about the need to position yourself differently in, a, in one of these pricing stroke pitching situations. Um, do you agree with that? Do you think oh, that's yeah. a, a good strategy? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, he's a soulmate of, of mine. We we uh, we talk a lot actually because the the principles are the same. He he advocates that a challenger personality in new business is is ultimately more effective to, to, to challenge the client in a diplomatic way. Of, is this the right thing? Is this the right process? And the same would apply in pricing discussions. Just, the challenge is this: is this really the optimal way to get the results you're after? Because we know what we know what you ultimately want from this relationship isn't effort and utilization and busyness and staffing plans. What you want are business results. And so, could we talk about a way to craft an approach that is aligned against the, the business results in some more direct way than than paying us for for our costs and our efforts uh, and, I, and to me the, the the reasonable intelligent client is is going to respect that and appreciate that yeah and in fact um it could be uh, following your your line of um, thinking and recommendations it could be that um, by asking for the whole area of pricing to be considered differently it is at one and the same time something he was he was preaching yeah. which is disrupt the process yeah be the agency that, that, that that's asked for a concession or asked for something to be done differently. Exactly, because in effect you stand out. I mean, just like you stand out with, with outstanding work to come in, or unconventional work, you stand out with in the same way with unconventional uh, approach to pricing. And uh, it, 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 instead of it being a competitive disadvantage, uh, to me it's a great competitive advantage. The, the firms that, that operate this way are, are, are certainly going to stand out. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the firms that are doing it, mm -hmm. uh, and without breaching any confidences. Sure. Can you can you give us uh, one or two examples where you've seen your your theory put into practice? Sure. I mean, it, it happens a lot, and in fact, happens even in pockets of multinational organizations where the 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 the, the whole agency may not be doing it, but certain offices are, and certain account groups. I think the notable examples uh, are organizations like Anomaly, which was started in uh, New York uh, famously with the uh, provision they never wanted to be more than 60 people. Uh, they, they've now grown a little bit more than that, but they started without timesheets. They started without time tracking uh, based on the belief that they don't, they don't believe that that's what they sell. They sell intellectual capital. And they also had a strong belief that they didn't want to automatically assign the ownership of their intellectual property to a, to a client, um, that they would start with the premise that we'll, we own the IP we create and we'll provide an opportunity for, for you to use it or maybe even to buy it, but we're not going to start from the supposition that, that you own it. Uh, so it's pretty pretty unconventional approach from the, part, from, from the start. And um, they've been remarkably successful. Uh, they've been named Agency of the Year several times in the U.S. It, 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 again, this year they are in the Ad Age Top Ten Agencies list. And uh, so this, this idea that they don't disclose their costs, they never have, that they don't bill by the hour, which they never have, has certainly not hurt them, it's helped them. Um, they're, they're a stellar example of how that, 
has been a point of differentiate for differentiation, and their margins are, uh, are way above industry average. Yeah, it's, uh, well, I'm pleased you mentioned Anomaly, because uh, Carl Johnson, the founder, is an, is an old um, oh, okay. friend and From, colleague of mine. Mm, we yes. went to TBWA together yes. years ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's, he's an impressive he is. man. Uh, and he also told me, and I, I know you won't mind me mentioning this, that uh, they do something else that you talked about, which is they apply a lot of creativity to the pricing part mm -hmm. of, of any job, mm -hmm. I including um, you know things like when they, when they put their, their their cost stroke pricing, I should say together. Yep. They um, they very often find things that the CEO of the company has said uh, about what he's trying to do with the mm -hmm. company or mm -hmm. the brand, and then they they relate that to the work that they've shown and, yep. and demonstrate how if you want this to be achieved, you know. And we understand that you do. Yep. You know, here's the way of, you know, here's a way of doing it. So I, I was impressed by that. Or they may even align their compensation directly with those metrics of success, right? Absolutely. To say, CMO, what, what, how's your bonus determined? That the, we'll, we'll take those metrics and you can, we'll, we'll uh, have our payment determined by those same yeah. areas. Yeah, very much so. So um, that's great. And th so there's, there's great sort of. Um, uh, I suppose evidence out there that, that this does work. What is it you think that what stops agencies from doing it? Why why are we all so kind of conditioned to respond yeah, to the, the that's clients' a, briefs? That's a really good question because in my role as an independent consultant, former career agency guy, but now into you know outsider in the sense I can go to a client conference and listen in on CMO uh, roundtable discussions and, and talk to CMOs about uh, their feeling. And the surprising thing that, I, that I've learned is that the client community is actually much more interested in this than we think they are. The, 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 the common question I often hear from, from the, the more progressive client organizations is, why aren't my agencies talking to me about this? Uh, we think there's a better way as well. And we, but, but our agencies are now so fearful and so subservient that, that we have, we, we're now put in the position, and I give you an actual example or two of this, we, we, the client, are now put in the position of reinventing their pricing strategy because they won't. Mm. I got an interesting call from Coca-Cola uh, probably seven or eight, maybe nine years ago, and our our firm doesn't work with clients, we only work with agencies, but clients call now and then, thinking maybe that we do, um, and sometimes to call and just ask for advice. And the, the, uh, the question we got from the Coca-Cola organization was, why aren't, well, A, why aren't my agencies talking to me about this? And B, what, what do you think the impact would be if we devise our own program, because none of our agencies, whom we've asked many times, to do so have never stepped up. So they did in fact design their own what they called value-based compensation program, which is now in its third iteration. And the, the client taught it to the agencies. Agencies have had, had to implement it. And I say that's a, that's a good step forward in the cause of value-based pricing, but it was backwards. Mm. It should not, the client shouldn't and, have and to do this. probably, I saw one of the early iterations of that. Yeah. Although the spirit of it was, yeah. was welcome, it still was very much written with the client's interest. Indeed, because uh, it was done by the client. And, and, that, and, and that's why I, I went out of my way to mention it's now in its third iteration, because to their credit, they are iterating. They're learning. They're asking for feedback. They're saying what's working, what's not. 
But ideally, it shouldn't be the client doing this at all. It should, it should be the agencies. We're the sellers. And, and, um, and, and many, many clients have confided uh, to people like me that they are, they're, they're, dis, they're disappointed and, and dismayed that agencies are, are still so uh, fearful you know, on I this think, topic. I think, uh, and we'll probably bring it to an end in a moment. Uh, this has been fascinating, by the way. I think uh, it all comes back to this fear factor which is caused by um, oversupply, mm -hmm. is caused by the fact that um, you know the, the, there's a lot of change in technology in the world as well now, which means that clients are expecting agencies to do so many things differently that it you know having this as one of the variables is is when we know it's a difficult one to deal with. Yeah, is perhaps being put to the bottom of the pile rather than the top. Yeah, and, and I, let's add to that, and maybe the, the this is goes at the, the deepest level of the fear factor, is that we just feel, I think as an industry, we feel unprepared and, 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 and a little bit uneducated on, on that whole topic because we know, we know the costing system, we know the hourly rate system. We use it in part because it's simple, and, and pricing is difficult. It takes much more time to develop options and to think through metrics of success people like Carl Johnson will will, will, will say, yeah, it, it actually is a lot more work up front. But it is absolutely worth it because you're just trading the time you would have spent with all the nonsense that goes into feeding the time machine and the reconciliations and the write-offs and the transfers and all of that. You're taking that time and energy and investing it where it really matters up front in the pricing piece. So I think I think our self-confidence, we can build our self-confidence and, and help mitigate our fear by by committing to training ourselves and developing pricing as a competency. And just to end, you, you must reprise the point you made about uh, time really only matters when you're spending it in jail, which I thought was a, a great, <laughs> a great uh, analogy Indeed. or metaphor. I don't know which it is. Yeah. So just, just give us the, your, your view on that again. Yeah, well, I, I, I could uh, go on uh, beating up on the billable hour. I mean, it's just, it's just the wrong theory of value. And, and I sometimes present to groups who, who will say, if they haven't been exposed to these concepts uh, much, will say, well, now this is all great theory, but, but what about the practice? And my, my response is, well, but you're operating on a theory as well. Uh, it's it's the, the theory, it's the labor theory of value, and it was written in 1870 by Karl Marx. Um, it, it's it's this idea that labor uh, equals value, and it's just not true. But that you're using that theory now because you're counting up your labor. It's the wrong theory. I'm proposing a better theory, which is the subjective theory of value, which is actually the the theory that actually works and is used by the vast majority of your client organizations. So. So it's not, it, it, it's really, uh, that's the ultimate reason to walk away from the billable rate, is it's, it's based on a flawed, outmoded, disproven theory, and now we need to use the right theory, which is, again, what our client organizations do. Brilliant. Well, it's been fun talking to you and very informative, so thank you very Great. much, Tim. Thank you. Well, I hope uh, my chat with Tim gave you a taste of what we heard at the conference. If you weren't able to go, can I urge you to go onto the IPA website and download the presentations because it really was a cracking day and uh, I know from the feedback that people got a tremendous amount out of it. So I hope you'll do that uh, and that you also will enjoy what, what we heard. This has been Paul Bainsfair and this has been the IPA podcast. 